So as we look at Daniel chapter 2 tonight, we're just going to see if we can take Daniel's example and, and just find some encouragement and some application for our own lives today. You, if you know anything about Daniel chapter 2, and if you don't, that's okay, but if you know about Daniel chapter 2, it is centered around a dream that King Nebuchadnezzar has. And so as we get started today, I just wanted to talk a little bit about dreams. All right, I want you to think for yourselves a minute, analyze your own dreams, how things work for you at night. And I'll just take a show of hands, first of all. How many of you have pretty good recollection of what you dream when you wake up the next morning? Raise your hand if you have a pretty good recollection of what you dreamed. Okay, that's a pretty good number. How many of you are pretty sure you dream, you even can remember little snippets, but most of the time when you wake up in the morning, you don't really know what you dreamed about? Okay, that's me too. I know I do. I know I have recurring, a recurring dream that I, when I'm in the middle of it, I know what's happening and I'm like, oh, I've had this dream before and then when I wake up in the morning, I can hardly remember what it was about. All right, how many of you have no idea if you dream because you never remember any of it? Okay, we got a couple of those too. All right. All right, so this might not be easy for you, but for all the rest of you that have little dreams, what I'd like you to do for just a minute is to a person sitting close to you, share the oddest, strangest, most crazy dream that you remember ever having. Okay, go ahead. Just share with the person next to you if you have one that you can remember like, oh yeah. All right, sounds like you guys did a great job sharing. I'll tell you what, there'll be time at the end of the service. Um, maybe that could even be a second icebreaker from whatever icebreaker our house fellows came up with, but you can talk more about the crazy dreams that you've had. I can... I, when I think about the dreams that I do remember, and, and maybe some of you can relate to this, I can honestly tell you there's not a single time in my life where I thought when I woke up in the morning, I better figure out what that dream means because that probably has a big difference on how I live the rest of my life. And I don't know if you can relate to that. Maybe some of you really think your dreams have deep significance and meaning, and if they do for you, great. But for the most part, I don't think we ever wake up and say, boy, if I don't figure out what that dream meant, I'm going to be in trouble. But that's the situation Nebuchadnezzar found himself in. And so I want to just talk about, well, how did God prepare Daniel to handle this situation? Let's read chapter 2. I'd like to read the first seven verses of Daniel 2 that'll get us into the story a little bit. So in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before him, the king, what stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. All right, a couple things just to mention there. If you remember back to chapter 1 last week, and if you don't, again, no big deal, I'll tell you. One of the things that was identified, sort of foreshadowing this chapter, that was a gift of Daniel's. When he was put in service of the king, when he was trained for that service, was that he had the ability to interpret dreams and visions of all kinds. That statement was made in preparation for us understanding chapter 2, Daniel's gift to interpret dreams. 
obviously he's going to have an opportunity because Nebuchadnezzar needs this dream that he had explained. He's so troubled by it, he can't even sleep anymore. I don't know if it was the middle of the night, but he calls all of his wise men in, the astrologers in, because the dream is just too much for him to handle. And he wants them to give him an interpretation. Again, I don't know why Nebuchadnezzar knew that this dream needed explaining. Maybe it was just so clear to him that it needed explaining from God, that was so clear from God that it needed that, that he had to make sure that he got it. Maybe it was a different, so different from any other dream that he ever had that he recognized that there was significance. The Bible simply doesn't tell us. But he needed someone to interpret that dream for him. Here's an odd part of the book of Daniel. This is a little aside, but I want you to know this because it really factors into why the book of Daniel was written. The majority of the Old Testament you probably know is written in Hebrew, the language of the Israelite people. And that's true of the book of Daniel too. The first chapter and the first three verses of chapter 2 are written in Hebrew. And then all of a sudden there's this break and change starting with verse 4 when the astrologers answer the king. It switches to the Aramaic language. I want you to know why. The Aramaic language was not limited to only the people of Israel. It was the universal language of that day. And so more people could read and hear and understand the story that was coming from Daniel and when we hear about the dream and its interpretation, you'll understand why God wanted more than just the nation of Israel to understand what Nebuchadnezzar's dream meant. Did you hear what he asked the wise men, though? They come before him and they're like, yeah, okay, yeah, just tell us your dream and, and, and we'll tell you what it means. It's all good. And Nebuchadnezzar says, that, no, 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 that's not how this is going to work. You're going to not only tell me what my dream means, but you're going to tell me what I dreamed. Maybe you can understand why he set it up that way. Because if I'm one of Nebuchadnezzar's wise men and I know the threats that exist if I don't do my job right, you know, cut into pieces and my house turned into a pile of rubble, I'm probably going to make something up if I hear the dream, right? Even if I don't really get it, I don't know, but, but you're going to make something up. And so Nebuchadnezzar's trying to avoid that happening. No, if you're really good at your job, he's saying, you're going to be able to not just tell me the interpretation of the dream, but you're going to be able to tell me what I dreamed. And you wouldn't be surprised to know that what the astrologers say to him is, that can't be done. No king has ever asked his wise men to not just interpret a dream, but actually tell the dream as well. They actually make an interesting comment. They say, only the gods can do that, and they don't live among men. And I think it's a great, like, just a, another little bit of foreshadowing for what's going to happen when Daniel comes on the scene. Because they can't do it, the threat of the king stands. He said, I'm going to cut you into pieces and turn your house into a pile of rubble. And that's the order that actually goes out. Here's one thing the Bible is silent on. Why wasn't Daniel there? Why wasn't he consulted to begin with? We're not told. But all of a sudden, Daniel finds out that he's one of the people that's marked for death because they weren't able to solve and interpret the king's dream for him. So Daniel asks for a little bit of time. He even gets Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to help with prayers to God to say, give the interpretation of the dream. And when Daniel wakes up the next morning, he has not just the interpretation, but also the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And he goes to him, and he tells him that he can interpret the dream for him. Actually, he says it a little bit differently. When Nebuchadnezzar says, so I understand you can interpret the dream, Daniel says, no, I can't. But God can. And my God gave me the answer to the dream, so I'm going to tell you what you dreamed. 
I'm just going to put the dream in picture form up on the screen. And this is not really the purpose of our devotion tonight, but I want you to at least know a little bit what the dream was about. Because Daniel's prophecy in chapter 2 is quite amazing. And here's why it was made available in Aramaic for every nation to understand. Daniel foretold the future, not just of the Babylonian empire, but of the next three empires after the Babylonian empire. What Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream and what God revealed to Daniel was this statue. Statue which had a head of gold, which had a chest and arms of silver, which had a belly and thighs of bronze, and then legs of iron, and then feet of iron mixed with clay. The other part of the dream was a rock that rolled down the hill and smashed the entire statue to pieces. And so Daniel interprets that dream for the king. He says each one of those parts of that statue represents a kingdom. Here's the benefit that we have in knowing a little bit of history. We can look back on something that Daniel had no idea about because he was looking forward to things that hadn't happened yet. But we can look back and say what Daniel was describing is the following kingdoms. He does say quite specifically that the head of gold is Babylon. It's King Nebuchadnezzar. You're the head of gold. You're the empire that is in power right now. But after you, there's going to be another empire, silver compared to gold, a little bit inferior. And we know from history the next empire that came after the Babylonians was the Medo-Persian Empire. Following the Medo-Persian Empire, you have the Greek Empire, and then finally the Roman Empire. And all of those descriptions fit those kingdoms very, very well. So again, we have the benefit of hindsight. And then we have the identity of the rock that crushes all of the kingdoms. That rock is the kingdom that will last forever, is what Daniel says in his interpretation. That is representative of our God and of our Savior Jesus and his kingdom, which is not of this world, a kingdom that, by which he rules our hearts and lives through faith, a kingdom that will last forever into eternity. That's the dream that Nebuchadnezzar has and here's the result of Daniel's gift to interpret this dream. The last few verses of Daniel chapter 2. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. So just a little sneak preview for next week, that last verse is going to lead into chapter 3, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are provincial officials, and we'll see what happens when next week comes. All right, so, so God gives Daniel this gift. He has this gift to interpret dreams, and that made him prepared for this new normal that he was in in Babylon. The result of his ability to interpret dreams was, first of all, glory for God. Did you hear Nebuchadnezzar's words? Your God is the God of gods and the, the God of kings because he can interpret these dreams. He gave you the, the, the solution to this mystery. But then Daniel personally benefited too, didn't he? Gifts were lavished on him. He was given a high position in government. He could influence Nebuchadnezzar for the good of God's people. It's pretty amazing that God would take someone as 
possibly a teenager from his homeland, and then in pretty short order put him in a high position in the government in Babylon. And it got me to thinking about the gifts that God gives to you and to me. When you realize that you're in kind of this new normal, a new and different way of living and going to school and working and all kinds of different things, what an awesome thing that God has still given you the gifts that you have. Gifts that allow you to not just survive difficulty, but, but even thrive in it. As you look for ways to use the blessings God has given you to serve not just God, but to serve other people as well. Here's the thing. It's kind of hard to do, isn't it? I don't know about you, but, but I'm pretty good at seeing other people's gifts and sometimes wishing that I had those gifts that other people had. I'm also pretty good at seeing my own flaws, seeing the things that I wish were better about me. And sometimes in looking at other people's gifts and wishing that I had those and not being able to recognize the blessings God has given me, I miss out on opportunities. I miss the strengths that, that God has blessed me with, the ways that he's given me to serve others. What a wonderful thing to just think about, okay, what has God given me the ability to do? What has God given me the gifts to do? And how can I use that to serve him and others and as blessings for me in my life as well? Have you guys taken some personality tests at different points in your life? This one's relatively new. Um, if, how many of you have ever taken the Strengths Finder test? Okay, some of you know what it is. Here's what I like about it, and I'm, this is not a plug. Um, Mr. Don Clifton has no idea who I am, so he's not making a, I'm not making a cent off of promoting this book. And if you never, ever see it again, that's perfectly fine with me. But here's an amazing thing about what he did in this personality test. As he lays out for you your top five strengths, the top five personality traits that give you and make you who you are, he wants you to focus on those five. He doesn't even let you find out what your other 30-some are because he doesn't want you thinking about the ones that's at the bottom of the list and say, well, I really should figure out a way to get better at that. He actually wants you to focus on what you're good at and then figure out how you can use those gifts in your life and in your service to others. I think there's a lot of merit in that. I know it's not easy to always discover the gifts that God has given us. Sometimes you have to try a lot of different things to figure out where exactly God is leading you in your life. Sometimes he closes a door only to open a different one and we just keep our eyes open to figure out where God is directing us. But here's what scripture promises to you and me. We all are gifted. We all are part of the body of Christ and each of us has different gifts that he gives us to use to build up that body of Christ. And so even in the midst of this new normal, look, look for those gifts. Figure out ways that can, you can use the blessings God has given you to make a difference. First of all, in your own life, but then in the lives of others as well. I think there's a second lesson from this text too and we won't spend a lot of time on this one but as we talked about, some people just mentioned it before, I think somebody said there's 100 days to Christmas and my response to that was there's 48 days till the election because I wait, can't wait till it's over, right? I mean, and, 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 and so there's part of us, right, that says, well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to our country? What's going to change? Who's going to be elected? All these things that can, can we worried about at local and state and a national level and then we get to read the dream that God gave to Nebuchadnezzar. And all of a sudden we realize there's nothing to worry about because God, who's, God is the one who decides when kingdoms are in power, when kingdoms rise and when kingdoms fall. 
Daniel had no idea. What, what he was telling Nebuchadnezzar was unknown to him. Beyond the gold head of that statue, which represented Babylon, Daniel was speaking in unknown terms. But it certainly wasn't unknown to God. God knew exactly what was coming. He knew the history that was coming. He knew that all of that was going to lead to the delivering from sin that you and I have because the promised Savior was on his way. God is the one who raises kingdoms. They rise and fall at his direction. And so whatever happens in our country in the next month or two, God knows. He knows what's best and he's in control. And we can sleep at night knowing that it is in God's hands. There's one more thing about the kingdoms that we, would have, we just want to touch on briefly tonight, and that is the one kingdom that's going to last forever. No matter what country you're from, no matter what's going on politically in the country that you live in, or what kind of worries or fears you might have, you and I are members of one kingdom that's going to last forever. The kingdom of our Heavenly Father, which he has called us into through faith in his Son, Jesus. And through that faith in Jesus, you have something that's going to last beyond any kingdom in this world, all the way to an eternity with your Heavenly Father. Some takeaways from Daniel chapter 2 and, and, and are gifted for the new normal. Number one, God has given you gifts to thrive in your situation. Look for those gifts, try different things, figure out where God is leading and directing your life, and trust that he has blessings in store for you and for others through you. And number two, history is God's story. Nothing in this world escapes his notice or happens without his, not, without his knowing. Everything that happens in this world is part of God's plan and he's using it for the good of his people, his believers. Time to wrap up. I, I, you've, I'm guessing you have stories that you could tell, maybe that you've heard about other people, maybe in your own life, of how COVID has sort of redirected people in their lives whether it's through work and going to a different job, different ideas of, of school and how that works, and that God has actually used it to give direction to people in their lives. And I, and I think that's a wonderful thing. I think there are times that we have this idea about plans for our own life. And sometimes when they don't work out, it's like standing in front of a closed door. We're just waiting for that door to open, right? Well, this is the way I think I'm supposed to go, God. But it's awesome to keep your eyes open and if a door is closed, if God closes one door, somewhere in your life there's another one that's open. There's another one that, that's open that God is redirecting you through and to so that you can be the, the person that he wants you to be, sharing the blessings that he has given you with others, especially the best blessing of that one kingdom that you and I are members of, the kingdom of Jesus forever. Amen.